Welcome to the Grip Strip Podcast, episode 32, uh, the Open Wheels 500 slash the guy with nine wins is not even competing for a championship edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. I'm Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that happened on the NASCAR deal, and you know we had some highs and lows in F1. And, of course, we got the Open Wheels 500 coming up and all the preparation and stress that comes with that. And that's where our guest comes in, uh, the owner of OpenWheels.com, the one of my former bosses, one of the only bosses that I've ever had that I still talk to. So that tells you it's a very short list. So the fact of the matter is that you still talk to me is in its own right a bonus. Um, mainly, well, I didn't do anything bad to you, so that's part of it. But um uh, expert sim racer, um, owner, uh, and great writer work is somebody who's employed by Roger Penske to work for IndyCar. So he is a very important person since he works for Roger Penske. Um, his name is Tanner Watkins. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the GSP and thanks for a little bit of your time. I know you're a busy man. Yeah, no, thank you guys for uh, for having me on. It's, it's a pleasure to be back with you. Um, I think the last time we talked was around the IndyCar season opener back yep. at Texas. Um, so that would have been June. So, yeah, great to be back. Uh, we got a lot of uh, interesting things that have happened in the racing world since then. And, you know, one of those is the Open Wheels 500 this month of November. Uh, happy to have Josh be a part of our uh, field of 110 drivers this uh, this month, and looking forward to that. And uh, honestly, looking forward to, to 2021 too. Ready to get things going again after uh, what was a pretty exciting finish to the uh, IndyCar season in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were just talking about it offline because we're going to get into NASCAR, get into Formula One, the usual uh, f- flavor that comes here with the GSP, um, but the way that IndyCar for however many years in a row it's been where the final race you've had to determine a champion at the final race and Scott Dixon comes through, even though Joseph Newgarden went out there and won the race. Um, it was a competitive deal with a lot of drivers that were up front. You had drivers that had competed all year for points. You had a guy in the sense of uh, Alexander Ross, you had a nightmare season dominated after will power did his um he went and 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 binned it then alex alexander rossi binned it uh, uh colton herda had multiple opportunities he finished third in points beat his uh rival uh paddle award there for that um which is the future of indycar hopefully uh because red bull's too stupid or haas is too stupid to figure out that those two guys amongst a few guys that are in IndyCar uh, probably are better than some of the people they employ for Formula One. But that's its own separate topic, and we'll probably bring it up uh, later um, in the off season. But first, um, I'll throw it to you, Tanner. In terms of the Open Wheels 500, second year of the race, and you've been a sim racer. You, We talked about it when you were on last time in June that you should have won your your 500 and you got used up the way that uh, um, Paul Tracy's butt buddy used up Oliver Askew um, in the um, iRacing uh, invitational deal. 
Um, but your race, it's like the old school Indy 500, multiple weeks of practice, multiple weeks of qualifying. Just give us uh, how did it come about that you decided and you got sponsors. You should go and let us know what your sponsors are and who's involved. And I know Spencer uh, is writing for you, too. So it's back to the old days of having Spencer back on board. So just or let us uh, know what the Open Wheels 500, how it all started and where it is right now. Yeah, I think uh, first I'll just open with saying it's great to have Spencer back and, and riding uh, for Open Wheels. You know, when I took the, the position with IndyCar, um, I think it was a natural time for, for me to kind of step away from doing, you know, side of what uh, Open Wheels was, you know, for a few years. Um I was happy to be able to do some of the things we did with, with the website and report on IndyCar News. But, um, you know, over the summer, it kind of brought the end of that. So bringing Spencer back into the, the fray with Open Wheels uh, kind of revamped as just a website that serves the Open Wheels 500 sim race. Um, that's really cool. So it's been great to be working with him again over the last week. And uh, he's got a, a website as well, IndyCar1909 dot com that uh, everybody should go ahead and check out because uh, he's going to bring a lot of the great work that he did at Open Wheels over to that website. Um, so check him out over there. As far as the Open Wheels 500, um, it was really born last summer uh, out of, you know, iRacing puts on a 500 mile race at Indianapolis each May, and it's a great event to participate in. Um, like you mentioned before, it's it's one that I've uh, come close to winning a couple times and it just hasn't worked out so it's it's one of my bucket list items to win on iRacing um but they create an event that tries to essentially allow thousand people to experience indianapolis 500 and so when you do that um you know our race isn't invitation only by by any means but we're not going to draw that many people um so that allows us to do things at a scale that i think allows us to produce a more accurate experience 500 uh so what really came of those thoughts were the open wheel 500 and what we try to do is implement uh an authentic two-day qualifications where we've got a pole day on Saturday, that's this coming Saturday, November 7th, um, where the fastest man at the end of that day, he gets the pole. There's no fast nine shootout. Um, that's really exciting, and it works for IndyCar right now, and we're happy to have that in place. But with what I was trying to accomplish, we wanted a little bit more of the traditional old style of qualifying at Indy. So at the end of the first day, we set the pole sitter, um, and then the next day is bump day, and that's Sunday, November 8th. Uh, and at the end of the day, whoever the fastest 33 drivers are in the field, they make the race. Um, so you've got that. You know, we bring the three-wide start uh, to iRacing. They can't do that in the iRacing Indy 500 because they don't have live stewards. Uh, so thankfully, we're able to accomplish that with um, our team in, in race control at Open Wheels Motorsports Sanctioning. Uh, and then we just try to give it as much media attention and and day-to-day coverage as we possibly can to make it feel like a grand event and something that's a little bit different on iRacing and, and allow us to use our platform on open wheels to, to stand out uh, and try to give something to sim racers and, and help them experience uh, what the Indianapolis 500 feels like in real life. Uh, if we can do anything to, to kind of get close to that, uh, then I think we're doing our job. And we had a really successful year last year 
this year we weren't sure we would have the race. We announced the dates back in March. Um, then throughout the summer, you know, when we kind of put openwheels.com on a hiatus, uh, we weren't sure if we'd continue with, with the race in 2020. We always had plans to have a second race at least in 2021. Um, but I'm very happy that we're able to uh, jump back into the fray this year, not miss a beat. Uh, and we actually had an increase in the amount of entries from last year to this year. So the support from the sim racing community has been wonderful. Um, they know I don't make any money off this, and it's really just a labor of love. But uh, to see them come out and support it the way they have, that's what that's what means the most. So it's a fun two weeks, and uh, it's just getting started. Yeah, that's, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the DWR league that was going on during the pandemic, but in a shorter format and it, but it has a lot of the same feel in that you have your group of, of drivers and people and everybody's investing their time or doing it as kind of a labor of love and they are driving. I mean, when you consider which is where I'm going to throw to both of you guys. Um, uh, but Josh first, I mean, obviously driving uh, a GSP car, hopefully we make it so then we can go and promote the GSP might actually gain a couple of followers. I might actually have handle again. Um, if, uh, if uh, Josh can make the field and I feel like he will, but that's just personal, not just because he's my friend and he's my co-host, but I feel like he's a good enough driver that you, know, you should make the field. I mean, it's not going to be, and I know that he's not going to go out in a ball of flames like a Rick Ware racing car either. He's going to actually do what he has to do and get a good finish too. So that's another reason why he's going to make it. I sound like I'm a promoter, like I'm some bullshit humpy wheeler. But in in terms of what you're doing, Tanner, and it's cool. I mean, I wish I had a setup that I could go and race this thing because it's 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 what this sim racing is supposed to be about it's getting together getting amongst other people who love racing and want to experience racing knowing that they will never be in the real thing um but you also have people who just are absolute like beasts doing it you know and understand the nuances of having to make this car the ir18 which is a sketchy beast as it's in its own right for the best indycar drivers that we have in our current time um and they have their nightmares and they have their issues trying to make the field for the indy 500 now go and multiply that times three and a half and you're talking about 100 plus entries for 33 spots. Um, I do I do appreciate the notion of a just strictly fastest driver makes it wins and whatever and or gets a pole and you know bump day is like le- legitimately and that was one thing I was gonna ask because you brought it up. Is it the same kind of rules with like any you can keep on running or you have to go and remove your time? Uh, and then run again or is it kind of like the two is it the two line thing like they have currently or is it that you have three runs like the old school you know qualifying like if you were to withdraw a qualified car you lose that time and then you're bringing in another car Um, before I go to Josh how does that work no good questions indeed Um, 
we don't use the, the two-line format that we currently have, um, and there is a limit on how many times a driver can make an attempt. So um, they, the, the only thing that we've done a little different, you can complete a run, um, and that time isn't essentially concrete locked into that entry from that point on. You, you can still run twice more, but you do have to withdraw your time each time that you requalify. So, you know, if you, you put in two runs and decide to make one more run at it and you wreck on your last attempt, that's it. You know, you've missed the show. And uh, uh, I think we've done a good job at, at you know, making it work um, from a sim world point of view, because obviously there's some things that um, translate, you know, better from real life to the sim than, than others. Um, so I think, you know, with the massive field of entries that we have and the limited amount of, of qualifications attempts, um, you know, experienced, you know, sim racers or sim racing fans, uh, especially that are well-versed in, in IndyCar history on iRacing, will know the, the name Young O. Uh, he's a, a longtime uh, racer on iRacing who uh, dates back to the early 2010s, and he actually took a four- or five-year hiatus uh, before coming back for the Open Wheels 500 last year. And he's a guy who's won iRacing IndyCar World Championships, uh, the Indianapolis 500 on iRacing, and he's been a pole sitter at the iRacing Indy 500. Uh, and he actually told me he, he did get the pole last year uh, at our, our Open Wheels 500, but he told me, you know, for the first time in his, his sim racing career, and he's been doing it for almost 20 years, uh, he was sitting on the pit lane waiting for his name to be called at last year's Open Wheels 500 qualifications. And for the first time ever, he have actually had butterflies in his stomach waiting to go out on the track. So for somebody like him with, you know, not only thousands of laps under his belt at Indy, but for what he's accomplished and, and he's cooler than the other side of the pillow when you talk to him, but to create that kind of atmosphere and, and that sort of pressure and stress, um, <laughs> sadistically, I enjoy it because I'm the one that gets to, to sit back and watch it after, you know, I've put in qualifying runs for the iRacing Indy 500 and you know, even for that, when you have unlimited attempts, you know, if you're on a good run, you're on a heater, you know it. And that only builds the pressure as you're on laps three and four at Indy and you're trying to nail every corner. So the fact that we've been able to kind of put together a, a real set of, of hybrid uh, characteristics that blend both the real life and what works best in the sim, uh, I think we've really hit a nice mix. And, and that was validated last year. And that's what gets me really excited to see uh, qualifications weekend this year and who's going to win the pit lane parley pole award. Oh, and there you go. Throw throwing to uh, pit lane parley, another uh, podcast. We got uh, another member of uh, my fantasy football league since Josh is a part of the league along. It's my deal. And then also Mike uh, is a part of the league and he's kind of, gone on a little run here the last couple of weeks he finally was able to check his team and he's won a few games so now the pit lane parley poll award we got all kinds of family going on here next thing you know you're going to tell me there's like an iscp thing but then frank i think is cheap so that's <laughs> that's a whole other thing but speaking of um podcasts and uh our podcast josh uh, you were able to practice you showed me a at least a, a first draft of what uh, the car will look like 
gave you a couple ideas what it was practice like what did it feel like being in the seat knowing that you're competing against all these guys and uh what are your thoughts of this whole setup relative to other races and other sim series that you've been in over time yeah i mean for me it's mostly like the i like the the difficulty of it the fact that it's exactly like how it used to be in the indy 500 and the three attempts that you have to qualify and and it's as as much stressful as it was in real life when they had it in uh, that format and it still is in real life um but just the the amount of uh realism that goes into it is something i respect and what i enjoy and you know, practice for me yesterday was is pretty tough because uh, i'm trying to get the qualifying setup nailed right now and got to be able to put together four good laps um i think my first two laps are pretty good right now but or at least solid enough, but the last two laps start to burn off the right rear, so i got to work on that part and maybe take out some weight jacker on the last couple laps of the run and you know, make sure I got enough gas to make it to the end because I, I actually didn't know that we uh, had the warm-up lap. I thought it was just, you know, you go out and you do your four laps, and um, so I've, I've got to work on that part, but I've you know got that part down. So it's just going to be uh, you know focusing on qualifying uh, the car and uh, getting into the show um, hopefully, hopefully we can do that and you know promote the podcast and and all that stuff. And I recognize some of the names in the list too, and the injury list. Some of the names I've seen on the iRacing uh, Oval Fixed series on on the the server there. But uh, some of the some of the guys I've seen from YouTube, uh, you know, the guys that have been like YouTubers and things like that, and you know, participating in this race and. Uh, that's something that's interesting to me and and you know i see my name on other streams so uh you know you'll see our our car throughout at least throughout this week on practice and and hopefully we can get in the show um but i i think right now the the car itself what it looks like um got the first draft going and hopefully uh we can get it in on on that part i mean i'm looking for just you know basic but clean look that presents us and uh our you know our sponsors and all that as uh, good as we can so um looking forward to this weekend and qualifying and you know, hopefully we can make it in yeah and that and let us know i mean and josh you i figure you're gonna make it i just have that confidence and even even uh no matter what you're gonna give it all uh you're you're the best other than Tanner. You're the best sim racer I know. So the fact of the matter is I, I, I hope you're able to go and, uh, and kind of take, uh, maybe you have to talk to Tanner. I, I, I there isn't, we're, we're talking about collusion. It's not collusion. Nobody's listening to this freaking thing. So anyway, there's, you can go and ask for some help. You can go and ask for some help from, uh, Tanner. Maybe you can go and work on the fuel, uh, burn and making sure the right rear lasts. And maybe you can run Dan, the Dan Weldon line and, in turn one and maybe work the high line and maybe get through because he was great there. And there's, there's a lot to talk about. And in terms of um, where you can see this, uh, the practice, the qualifying, some of the sponsors that you have, Tanner, let's, um, I mean, you can go and let us know about that. I mean, you also said something about, uh, possibly organizing having you know me come on just to go and be a 
be an uh, un, unpaid shill for Josh and for GSP. I'd definitely be interested in that. But let's uh, hear where let's hear the sponsors because you got a lot of people involved in this deal, and it's it's un, and, and it's awesome to me, and it proves. I mean, it it makes a lot of sense based on what I what I from what I know as a friend and as a, a former a worker for you. But let us know who's supporting this deal, who you have, people that. We may know as IndyCar fans and, um, you know, other sim racing fans that are involved in this whole thing to pull this thing off this uh, this month. Yeah, no, thanks for uh, letting me kind of lay out here. It's uh, all of our practice uh, coverage will be shown live on what's uh, a new platform for us in 2020. It's Open Wheels TV. So if you just go to open-wheels.com slash TV. Uh, that'll take you right to our YouTube page. And that's where we're going to have every practice show. Uh, we're going to practice Tuesday and Thursday and Friday this week before qualifications weekend. Each day practice will run from 1 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to have you covered at Open Wheels TV. Uh, and then our other broadcast partner is RaceSpot TV. Uh, RaceSpot is a well-known uh, broadcaster in sim racing. Uh, they've been around for a while now and have uh, staff members that have been around even longer than uh, that co company itself has been around. So uh, really excited to to work with the folks at RaceSpot. Uh, they're actually going to broadcast our qualifications draw on Thursday evening. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, and while we'll have kind of a live stream of qualifying both on poll day and bump day on Saturday and Sunday from 6 a.m., yeah, 6 a.m. <laughs> uh, to 5 p.m. Eastern time. They're going to take the final hour of both poll day and bump day. Uh, so you'll see uh, the pole sitter and the field of 33 officially set both on Race Spot TV uh, coming up this weekend. And then, of course, they spearhead our, uh, our race broadcast. Uh, they'll have coverage of the race itself on Sunday. November the 15th, live at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and we're going to have the pre-race show on Open Wheels TV at 9 a.m. Eastern, where we'll have a lot of the same traditions that you see at uh, the 500 every Memorial Day weekend. We'll have taps, uh, the singing of Back Home Again in Indiana, the National Anthem, all that good stuff. Uh, so we're excited to, to bring that to you. And um, I'm not sure if anybody got to, to see our broadcast yesterday, but we actually got... Uh, it worked out with the folks at ABC that were able to use the old uh, IndyCar on ABC theme uh, throughout the Open Wheels 500 this year. So really cool to bring something like that back. I know through my childhood, that's uh, something that I always tied to the Indy 500 because I think it's a really recognizable theme and uh, something that was really well done back in uh, ABC and ESPN's prime years of covering IndyCar. Um and then I got to thank our, our supporters this year. We kind of, uh, since the race was rescheduled on short notice, we kind of pared down our, our prime companies that uh, helped make this race happen and, and more so went to a format that the Masters Tournament uses where they just get a core group of uh, folks together that uh, help put on the event. And that includes Mitchell Transmissions. They're our presenting sponsor again this year. Uh, after being the presenting sponsor last year, uh, their transmissions company here in southern Indiana, actually located in Newburgh. Uh, so big thanks to Jerry and Tammy Hall, 
uh, for supporting us uh, again here in 2020. They actually go and, and race in uh, a division of the NHRA and do drag racing. So uh, I think they had a pretty good season in 2020. Best of luck to them in 2021. But uh, Mitchell Transmissions is, is a big help in getting this thing off the ground. I mentioned Pit Lane Parley before, uh, Mike Jokum and Jess Baker, uh, Matt Hickey, uh, a bunch of great folks over there at PLP that uh, support our, our uh, qualifications weekend award. And then the major series and the majors garage. Uh, Michael Lett is a prominent uh, organizer of racing events on iRacing, and he stepped up and uh, is going to sponsor all of our coverage on Open Wheels TV this year. So big thanks to, to those uh, main three individuals or groups that uh, step forward to, to help us out this year. Uh, we're going to re-expand our, our sponsorship offerings again for next year and kind of return to some sort of normalcy for 2021. But uh, on short notice, those people came through really clutch, and uh, we're happy to have them as part of the event because we couldn't do it without them. Yeah, I was going to say you had Allison Transmissions and PLP, and I knew those, but I didn't know some of the other people that you have involved. And I think it's cool that when you're talking about something that's grassroots and really something that's a passion project for you, which I think openwheels.com in its own right was a passion project that along with your you know, education and all the other things you got going on, um, you've been able to parlay into a cool position. And um, I figure before we go, you can go and kind of let us know and we could kind of riff on uh, the IndyCar series this year. Cause I mean, the open wheels 500, we're going to, we'll, we'll go and promote everything. Open wheels.com open dash wheels.com slash TV race TV. Um, Hopefully I can, we can go and talk offline. Maybe I can get on one of those practice days or maybe qualifying one of the qualifying days, probably pole day. That'd be cool. But the, you got me on, on back home again in Indiana. You, anytime I can hear back home again in Indiana, it gets me emotional. I'm not even from Indiana. It doesn't matter. That's then it's Jim neighbors singing back home again in Indiana. And it gets me in a, especially the last time he sang it it was really bad it's good that there was no video of that even though there's a video of me freaking out when tony stewart won his last race um but anyway you currently work for uh the indycar series and um let us know what you're doing right now and in terms of I guess, and I'll throw to Josh after you kind of let us know uh, what you're doing, what you are doing with IndyCar right now and what's going on in your life in general. We'll go and kind of have a discussion about, you know, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, and where the IndyCar series is going in 2021. As we had a test uh, today at Baba Motorsports Park, as uh, the great lead, if he would say, um, Alabama Slamma. Um, with Jim Johnson, he went and made an appearance. Some guy that's won seven NASCAR championships. Uh, he tested today in his brand new Carvana number 48. It looks weird with the the Ganassi font. It just doesn't look right. But that's beside the point. Uh, 
Tanner, let us know what you're doing right now in your current job. And then Josh, I'm going to throw to you. We'll go and circle back to me about where IndyCar is going in 2021. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, right now, um, you know, I, I was very fortunate to get an opportunity to work with the folks at IndyCar and uh, serve as kind of a liaison between race control and, and the NBC broadcast crew and uh, do some cool things with them. I've been very fortunate to, to get that opportunity. Uh, I'm working hard to build on that because right now it's just a, a, a seasonal opportunity, but uh, really enjoyed my time over, you know, what was a crazy 2020 season. Uh, you mentioned Scott Dixon and Joseph Newgarden. It was a, a great battle for the championship down the stretch when, you know, halfway through the season, uh, a lot of people had uh, pretty much counted the field out and, and figured the crown was Scott, Dickens, uh, Scott Dixon's for the taking uh, as long as he went out and just, you know, finished the races. And as we saw, you know, anything could happen, especially uh, in IndyCar. And, and what was most exciting was, uh, we were able to have a championship that came down to the last race once again, and this time we didn't even need double points, which uh, I think is is a nice uh, feather in the cap for the series. It it just further uh, exemplifies you know the the amount of competition and and the top to bottom talent level uh, through this series. You mentioned some of the young guns that are coming through. That sets us up really well for not only 2021, but uh, the years that, that will lie after that. And then you mentioned Jimmy Johnson. I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, I was uh, a NASCAR guy first, you know, growing up. Uh, for a big Jeff Gordon and, and Hendrick Motorsports fan as a whole. Uh, so to see Jimmy Johnson, you know, at the GP St. Pete uh, a couple weekends ago or a weekend ago, whenever that was, um, and see him doing press conferences at an IndyCar race and talking about coming and racing here next year with Chip Ganassi sitting right next to him, you know, that's, that's just a surreal moment for me. And, and to know that that's coming around the, the corner in 2021, it makes next season. I want it to get here even quicker than, than a normal year. Um, you know, Jimmy, uh, I think he was 3.8 seconds off, off the pace today at, at Barber. So, uh, he'll be, he'll be looking forward to the next time on track, you know, in a test session, but, um, you know, like you said, he's a seven-time champ. He's going to figure it out. I think he'll be competitive by the end of the year next year. Um, and, man, I'm, I'm hoping at some point we can just talk him into one Indy 500. I know it's a, a long shot and maybe a pipe dream, but... Uh, I think he's going to do it by 2022. That'll be his walk-off. That, that might be a walk. I mean, he has to run the full year, but I, I feel like he'll, he'll, he'll convince Chandy to let him run it once because Rick Mears between Rick Mears and that'll go into, sorry, I'm sorry I interrupted, but I, no, I feel like 2022 it'll happen. Yeah. And I, you know, the, the improvements that we've made from a safety standpoint with, with the aero screen, uh, I got to, you know, tip my hat to not only Jay Fry, but the whole uh, staff at IndyCar and the IndyCar paddock for how they collaborated throughout the season. Um, and making sure, you know, the drivers were, were cooled effectively uh, in the cockpit. We've seen it already come in and, and save uh, uh, our series from, you know, perhaps some, some frightening moments. You know, the first one that comes to mind was um, the incident with Colton Herta and Renus VK at Iowa. I mean, it, it really has uh, made a name for itself right off the bat and, and really made uh, these drivers feel 
much safer in the cockpit. Um, and that's what's most important. You know, at the end of the day, um, I think we all enjoy seeing, you know, open cockpit, uh, you know, even dating back to perhaps Formula One in the 1980s, 1990s, where you can see the driver's hands and their shoulders and see them working in the car. We all love that. Uh, and I think that's clear. But what's most important is that these guys are, are around not only to see their entire IndyCar careers through, but life after IndyCar as well. Yep. Uh, and that's that's going to do a lot for our series moving forward. And I think it already has uh, paid dividends with, you know, Jimmy Johnson showing up and coming to race IndyCar next year. I mean, I, I don't know if uh, the aero screen had that large in, of an effect, but I'd like to think it, it really uh, helped him over the hump and, and make that decision to come race in our series because otherwise I'm not sure he would have done it. Yeah, it's uh, the all the safety innovations and the things having the best uh, safety team uh, in motorsport. I mean, it's basically between them and the NHRA safety Savari, but really the IndyCar safety team has been involved in some uh, real life threatening uh, situations or if it was AJ Foyt death threatening, death threatening situations. Um, and yeah, and they're, and they've been able to save people and, uh, they're, and we're grateful to them and it's because of IndyCar and IMS and things like that, where a lot of safety innovations have came along well before other series responded. Um, I'll, I'll throw to you, Josh. I mean, we talked about it last week, Scott Dixon, Joseph Newgarden, but I look at it, I'm just looking at the test from today. You have Alex Pillow going over to Chip Ganassi Racing. He'll be driving the 10 car. Sebastian Bourdais driving for AJ Foyt. You know, Ryan Honoray, it looks like he's going to be coming back, so I'll be cool. Um, Pato Award uh, is back for another year with the spam team. Colton Herta. Renas VK ended up leading the, the, uh, the test session, which is, which is awesome. So you have three young guns up there, Rossi, Jack Harvey, who has been a revelation for Meyer Shank, who has the benefactor of Jim Meyer, who's got tons of money, but Michael Shank, who's just a, you know, an every man kind of guy who's made it and made a big team in motorsport. And then you also have guys like Antonio Felix da Costa is one of many guys who got screwed by Red Bull driving for Ray Lanigan and insert name here. Uh, Felix Rosenquist, James Hinchcliffe right now driving for Andretti Autosport. Uh, and Scott McLaughlin, don't forget Scott McLaughlin. That's the rookie battle. It's the three-time defending uh, Australian supercars champion Scotty McLaughlin Penske's answer to Scott Dixon in terms of the New Zealand hotshot. Um, one of the best drivers has been in Australian supercars in a long time, and one of my favorite drivers uh, over the years, mainly because he beat the crap out of Triple Eight on the regular. Um, it's going to be Scotty McLaughlin versus Jimmy Johnson. If, you, if you're going to talk about a mano mano battle for rookie of the year, uh, I mean, Scotty's going to probably win it because he's going to run the whole year. But I'll, I'll tell you, 
uh, th- this series is is taking steps forward, Josh. I mean, what are you looking forward to, and who stands out to you in terms of the future of this series um, for what what this is going to look like? Because Scott Dixon ain't going to be around forever. I mean, I think he could be. He could run until he's 60 if he really wanted to. I don't think Ganassi's ever going to tell him that he has to quit. So uh, he might run until Kit's ready to be in a go-kart. But um, under the impre- under the the pretense that he isn't going to run forever, um, who do we look at as uh, uh, drivers that can really carry this series? Well, I mean Scott Dixon, he's the Iceman, so I mean he could run forever. But the I think the for me like drivers who I kind of look at as like the future is you know, Pato Award. He was probably one of the better drivers that wasn't in a Ganassi or Penske car this season. And I think he can take a step next year and maybe win a couple of races in the spam car. And he's going to have a a good season, I think next year and definitely should be maybe one of the better of the younger drivers. And, you know, I look at Scott McLaughlin, who's going to come to the series and yeah, he's going to be in a Penske car. So he's not going to have too much of a, a problem there, but, I think in his first year, maybe he might struggle a little bit. And then his second year there, he'll be a lot better, kind of similar to what um, Simon Pagano did a couple of years ago in 2015 when he was there. He struggled that year, and then he won the championship a year later. So maybe something similar to that. Then, you know, of course, like Jimmy Johnson, you talked about him being like three and a half seconds off the pace uh, at this test. But I think for him, like the challenge is going to be uh, just – adapting to the amount of downforce from the cup car going into the Indy car because the Indy car has a lot more downforce even in the low downforce setting on the super speedways it just handles a lot better obviously but you know the challenge that I've heard from stock car drivers going to the Indy car is being able to drive the car um, harder and pushing the car to its limit because the stock car you know you have the longer braking zones and and you know longer turns and all that but with the IndyCar it's a lot much faster and a lot quicker and so I think that's going to be the challenge for him is being able to adapt to that and I think he'll struggle early on in the season on some of the road courses but I think you'll see him by the end of the year get a a lot better and progress and um, maybe he'll be like top 10 or something like that by the end of the season maybe uh, strategy works out get a couple of podiums possibly a win we'll see um, some of the other guys, I think, possibly, I think Andretti, uh, they struggled this year in 2020, and I look for them to make a rebound. You know, this year was supposed to be a big year for Alexander Rossi with his uh, big contract that he had for this year and the, going on in the future. But I think maybe they'll go in, into next year and look to recover and and do what they everybody thought that they were going to do this year, and we'll see what happens in some of the other teams the uh, midfield if besides uh spam and um those guys who i think will be a, a good team if carpenter racing with what what they're doing right now if um their full-time guys can be better next year be more competitive carlin racing if maybe Connor daly can uh get a full-time ride there if uh, he can help bring that team to the front or you know be more competitive um guys like that i look for um, to see how they do next year. But I want to go back to the Open Wheels 500 real quick. Tanner, talk about um, the the IndyCar on ABC theme, which I, I heard yesterday. I had the broadcast sound for a little bit and heard that part, which I thought was cool. But do you think maybe you can get uh, Delta Force on for the 500? 
I would I would love to have Delta Force. It's uh, it was it was quite a hurdle to try to secure the the rights to use uh, the ABC theme. So that was about three or four weeks it took to to get that. Thankfully, we know who the composer is um, for the Delta Force theme. It's Alan Silvestri. So I think that that makes things a little easier. Um, but we'll we'll see about that. The the movie stuff is a little bit tougher to uh to get our hands on, but uh, I would particularly love to have that as uh, in in the fray for our pre-race show. Um, we'll work on it. We'll see exactly um, if that if that comes to be. And as far as the uh, IndyCar and ABC theme, it was the theme that debuted at the 1998. I'm sorry, the 1999 Indianapolis 500. Okay. Uh, which happened to be the first 500 that uh, Bob Jenkins was the lead announcer. After uh, being on was, IMS radio. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and so it was used uh, prominently through the uh, early 2000s. Uh, ESPN on ABC, or I guess when ABC Sports merged to with ESPN and became ESPN on ABC, uh, they didn't use it as often. Uh, a lot of times they would have their introductions um you know the two or three minute video that they would run at the very front end of their broadcast and then whatever music ended that introduction they would kind of use that to set the scene for the actual brace broadcast itself um and they'd really only use the theme you know coming back from commercial breaks sometimes stuff like that so i was kind of disappointed to see it fade out a little bit in those years of the 2010s but uh yeah again it was it was used from 99 to 2018 and I think it was a very uh, unique theme, um, you know, second in their coverage only to the Delta Force in terms of popularity and, and people that would recognize it. Um, and that's, I wish they'd brought the Delta Force back too for that last broadcast in 2018. Yeah, should have. <laughs> you should have brought back Paul, they should have brought back Paul Page too and done it properly. Cause I mean, heck they got, I mean, if, if Heckman and, and, and Eversley could get them for to go and do it for DWR. I mean, ABC could have got them, but ABC is known for being ABC has been known for being cheap. So that I'll digress. He was on at that the too. track. I can yeah. say that. So yeah. yeah, unfortunately he wasn't on the broadcast. Well, he's just like uh, Miller and, and Paul page is an absolute legend. And, uh, he, there's there's just certain people and voices like Tom Carn the great late great Tom Carnegie which I'm gonna go and bring up here I have my I took off his head oh, that's good sorry Tom <laughs> I was about to go and say that I have a Tom Carnegie bobblehead but the glue decided to fail right when I was about to go and show it so now I'm holding Tom Carnegie over here I'm I'm holding them together sorry Tom. But the sound works, and one of the three sounds is when Michael Andretti's engine quit at the with 11 or 13 laps to go in the 92 Indy 500. Um, that's the one I hate when I go and hit hit that button. But yeah, for anybody who lives, uh, you know, or could get to Indianapolis, the last time I was in the museum, they still have some of those bobbleheads that they'd actually. I don't know if they've had them for this many years on the shelves, or if they just pull them out of some dark space but they had some of those at the museum the last time i was there that was about a year ago but uh for anybody interested in one of those they might might still have one lying around 
Yeah, I could use one of those because Tom's not looking too good. And just after this particular incident, he's not looking great here either. Kind of looks like what Miller's liver looks like right now. But, but uh, anyways, I think I've we've kept you along here way too long, Tanner. I know you're a busy man, and we thank you for coming on tonight. And um, hopefully... Um, couple weeks time we can go and have you on as a post-race uh kind of recap and then you know we'll 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 see where it goes kind of go and riff we can go and talk about whatever's going on in life we can go into we might actually make this into a self-help deal to go and get a motivational deal because all these other people have motivational stuff we can go and kind of help us uh lazy folks like myself who need a lot of help uh and motivation which you knew how to do um do it um thank you man um hopefully the gsp uh, ir18 is in this field and um i get to shill it like nobody's business because i'm shameless when it comes to that i'm gonna i'm gonna push josh like he's freaking like he's he's freaking scott dixon and I don't care where he finishes. He can go and wipe out five laps in a race. I don't care. It'll be he could wipe out like J.R. Hildebrand. The GSP car is gonna go and freaking be the best thing that happens on the the open wheels five hundred. But that's just me. Thank you so much, man. Uh you're you're a friend, you're a great person. You gave me an opportunity when nobody else would give me an opportunity to write. Um good luck to you as we get through this whole entire qualifying weekend and into the race weekend. Um, it gives all the feels, it gives the chills. It feels like the Indy 500 in a year, which is unlike any other year that most of us have experienced in our lives. Uh, thank you. And if you have anything you want to promote going out, please let us know. And you're always welcome here on the GSP, no matter what you're always welcome here on the GSP. Yeah, no, thanks uh, again, guys, for giving me a platform to, to talk about the race. Uh, best of luck to Josh as uh, we get closer to, to qualifying weekend. I know uh, any chance I get to, to give you guys a shout out on the broadcast uh, on Open Wheels TV, I certainly do so. Um, looking forward to seeing how you guys get along this weekend uh, with the two days of qualifying. And uh, yeah, no, I appreciate the, the high praise for our event because we put a lot of time into it. Uh, like I said before, I don't make any money or anything off of it. So it's really, uh, you know, trying to create an atmosphere for, for the participants that rivals, uh, you know, what guys feel like in real life at the 500. And, and that's uh, hearing you guys say those kind of things. That's special to me. So again, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, um, you know, continue to, to hop on the, the podcast here. You know, maybe we could do a little post-race stuff and, uh, I don't watch as much NASCAR as I used to, but, um, you know, maybe we could have an episode or something where we share NASCAR memories, perhaps, because I, I like to, to think about the older days more than, than what goes on present. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I that's, think, that's I, me to a, a, in a nutshell. People. <laughs> yeah, there's I, definitely a lot of people that feel that way. And it's not just what's going on in 2020, but um, in general. The, the history is what interests me way more. And uh, I know Josh is is an old soul, too. And that's where we were able to connect that way. And then the same thing is, 
has been able to go and get us into another way. And then also just in general, knowing racing and Tanner, you're a knowledgeable guy, knowing all these different motorsport series and you get to work for Roger Penske. So God bless you. Um, good luck. Um, but I'm sorry. I interrupted again, but I just, oh, okay. but, no. um, I'm happy to to join you guys, and uh, yeah, we'll have to work you on to uh, one of our practice day broadcasts, Phil. I think uh, I'd love to do that. I'm not really at the mic for our qualifying broadcasts as I'm running the race control stuff, so we have a stream up during qualifying, but I don't really add commentary for it. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in one of the practice broadcasts, uh, you know, we can get you in the Discord channel, and that's what we use to kind of bring guests on the show. Uh, we can work that out, you know, uh, offline here, and... Uh, yeah, excited to see the the Grip Strip podcast car out on track again, and uh, see how you guys progress as uh, pole day and bump day. Uh, they're coming up quick. It'll be here before you know it, and uh, those are two long, excruciating days. So <laughs> excited to to see how it all unfolds this weekend. Again, you guys can catch the action uh, uh, at Open Wheels TV. That's open-wheels.com/tv for all of our practice and most of our qualifying coverage this weekend. And for the other coverage, you can find it on Race Spot TV. Just YouTube search Race Spot TV. Uh, and we'll have written word coverage as well and some uh, photos and all kinds of other stuff at open-wheels.com throughout the event. So thanks again, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. And uh, we'll have to do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the off season is coming quick. You know, Formula One is going to go out little into December. But... Um, we need we're going to do content during the off season probably going to do a little bit of uh classic stuff memories of we did it during this year but i think um favorite memories of the past stories and people that made motorsports and why we are fans of motorsports and um i think you'll be on for sure tanner as long as you're not busy with your significant other or work or other things, uh, definitely can come on as anytime you're available, you let us know. Um, thank you so much, man, for coming on. And um, we will uh, figure out a way to get everything going and hopefully uh, the GSP car uh, with our uh, with our top flight driver here goes and makes it in and then uh, – I can go and I can shill it. We can shill it on uh, the podcast. We can shill it at anywhere we can go because uh, that's really what it is. Getting the show first and then we'll worry about uh, what we're going to do for race pace. That's really what it's all about. Yeah. Thanks, Tanner. Appreciate the um, effort going into this and all the um, um, just all, all the effort that goes into it. I um, appreciate the um, opportunity to do it. No, it's great to have you guys involved. Uh, glad that you know you're you're enjoying yourself. Uh, we work real hard to to personalize the experience for everybody and uh, really make it feel like a special event. So happy to have you guys here. Wish you the best of luck this weekend, and uh, we'll see uh, how it all unfolds. It's going to be exciting either way. So Tanner Watkins, OpenWheels.com, uh, the Open Wheels 500, uh, absolute gem of a guy um he's a vip for us because uh i mean he was a vip when we got him for the uh 
before the season started, but he definitely is a VIP now because he works for IndyCar. So he's a he's an elite character, uh, elite guy and great guy and salt of the earth. And that's what it's all about. That's why I was able to work for him. And thank you for that. And thanks to Spencer and everybody that's involved in this. It's what motorsport is all about. It's supposed to meet people that are like-minded and love just going fast and love racing. And that's why this podcast exists at the end of the day. It's why Josh and I are doing this because we both love racing. And so um, thanks, Tanner. Uh, you can go off to your more important things than doing a podcast now. And uh, we thank you again. And um, we will, um, yeah. I mean, you have anything going out? No, not much. Just got to go. Uh, we're going to have a production meeting for our uh, qualifications draw show on, on Thursday for Race Spot TV. So if it wasn't for that, I'd hang around. But uh, yeah, got to get ready for, for some more shows this week. We've been thankful to kind of expand our coverage of the open wheels 500 this year so uh thanks again for having me on guys we'll be certainly doing it again soon and uh we'll see you around have a great rest of the show all right thank you man thanks a lot and uh, uh race spot tv open dash wheels.com slash tv for practice uh hopefully we'll be able to make some hits on there um josh can go and put up uh some quick times or something and uh get on there and 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 make uh make some highlights and get written about by spencer who's also a, a guest who's been a guest here on the show um i guess uh i guess the next thing we'll talk about is um well you tell me man you want to go formula one you want to go nascar because formula one wasn't all that wasn't all that compelling, but then the NASCAR stuff was also kind of, I think the NASCAR stuff was deeper. I think we need to leave it. We should probably go and leave it, get rid of the Formula One first, and then kind of go into the NASCAR. That's just yeah. me, though. I think, yeah, the Formula One, I mean, it fits because it's procedural as usual. So Formula One, you know, Lewis Hamilton winning at Imola, getting number 93, and now he's tied with his friend Jeff Gordon uh, for – you know, um, all intents and purposes, not wins, not yeah. really, you know, it's just a, a thing to talk about and he'll probably win 94 the next race and, and, um, it'll be the end of that. And he'll continue his, uh, climb to the, uh, top of formula one as he has been on. And he's just got to win the seventh title now. And then, I don't know, I heard he uh, might not come back next year. Um, yeah. that's been a rumor that's floating around, and he, he's opening the door there. So I think he's got to get number eight and then maybe hang it up, but that's my opinion. And then, of course, you know, the lows with George Russell wrecking himself. I mean, it was yeah. like it was like Mario Kart where you have the banana peel <laughs> on the ground and he just wrecked himself there. I mean, oh. it's a mistake. Everybody makes it. And it was compared to how Mika Hakkinen had a similar incident like that uh, many, many years ago. And um, unfortunate for him, and you, know, you can feel the pain in him. And it was good to see some of the drivers like Lewis and um, other drivers around the Formula 1 community go and reach out to him on Instagram and Twitter and just um, try to, you know, keep him up and his, uh, you know, morale up and, you know, tell him he'll um, – 
you know, he'll get better and all that and, and this uh, not to worry about and all that. Um, so it's good to see the uh, community come around him for that. And, and, you know, you got to feel for the guy, but there'll be more opportunities and, you know, hopefully uh, he, he can um, get that first points or um, even better than that podium or a win um, in the coming seasons. Yeah. George Russell having that, it's, it's pretty brutal. Uh, we talked about it on the grid talk podcast, uh, was on there both both Saturday and Sunday for the qualifying show and the race. They're on uh, YouTube. They're on Amazon uh, podcast uh, or, or Amazon Music, um, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, et cetera, et cetera. George Housen, who's been on the show, um, you know, the, he hasn't been on recently. He's been busy with other things. Uh, his website trying to get that going sport light which i wrote wrote for and you know having a significant other and a, and a baby boy so been on recently but we've been doing the show and i was on both days and we talked about that where lewis there's a rumor about that there's a rumor about uh, toto going over to aston martin uh the rumor the 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 thing about possibility possibly Lewis goes over there with Toto to Aston to drive with Sebastian Vettel came up. I don't see it. I believe he'll run three more years and he'll run for Mercedes. He'll win number seven, which will should happen. If not um, on uh, in a couple weeks time at Turkey, at the first of two races at Bahrain and um, get to seven world championships. Uh, of course, he's passed Schumacher. He, he's tied Jeff Gordon. Uh, hopefully the, the goals, I think, are 100 and 100. The polls record is much uh, easier, much more likely than the 100 wins. But even with that, I don't see anybody coming along. I mean, I say that but I never thought Michael Schumacher's record was ever going to get broken. So, Hey, um, I mean, granted, who knows, maybe he gets COVID from drinking, uh, champagne from Ricardo's, uh, uh, race shoe because of doing the shoey with him. Uh, I think COVID spreads like that, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but who knows it's, he's going to have a, I think he's going to have a sore throat like Martin Brundle did for sure. But, yeah. um, but the fact of the matter is that was cool uh, that uh, we had uh, uh, Daniel Ricardo there. I mean, in, at the end of the day, when we go and look at this race, we'll go over the race results. Um, we had Lewis Hamilton getting number 92 or, or number 93 on yesterday. Valtteri Bottas started on pole, ran over debris. And um, had damage to his floor, uh, which affected his car. He led early and then um, had to cover off uh, Max Verstappen uh, during the pit stops. And Lewis ran long and led basically the rest of the race. Daniel Ricciardo finishes third. Danny Kvyat, who um, benefited from that late uh, from Max Verstappen blowing a tire, um, after the parabolica, uh, going into the Villeneuve chicane before the Tosa hairpin, um, 
Kvyat had a great restart, uh, benefited, got to fourth. Charlie Claire finished fifth, and uh, Sergio Perez who pitted and pitted out of a, a podium position finished sixth. Carlos Sainz Lando Norris for McLaren, and then the two Alfa Romeos finished ninth and tenth. Kimi Raikkonen and Antonio Giovinazzi who are both signed back for next year, so that'll be something. Nicholas Latifi falls. Um, less than a second uh, short from possibly getting his first career points. It overtakes George Russell, who gave away uh, points finish there. Pierre Gasly had a coolant leak, which made uh, left him to park his car early in the race. He had to retire his car after starting fourth. Ocon had a clutch issue. Kevin Magnuson had um, issues with uh, headaches because of the way that that piece of crap Oscar was um, feeling. So there was that. So there, I mean, the, I don't know what you, what you saw or how you felt about anything like who stood out to you outside of, you know, the usual suspects, the Lewis Botas and, um, you know, uh, Max Verstappen, who are like, who are your top three outside of those guys, Josh? Yeah, I think for me, you know, like Sergio Perez had a good strategy and he could have gotten podium there where Ricardo ended up finishing. But then they decided to um, call him to the pits. And I think that was a bad decision. And obviously he didn't understand that himself and kind of questioning his crew. And maybe that's some sabotage because he's on the way out. I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, there's always been politics in Formula One like that. And um, you have to wonder why they made that decision. But it, it cost him a, a good finish, I think, and um, some pride on his end. And, uh, you know, that wasn't good. But I think uh, another guy that stood out for me is uh, Daniel Kvyat in uh, he finished fourth and and he hasn't really been that impressive in his career, but he's had some potential, just hasn't been able to, I guess, put it all together. And, and this, this was a good finish for him, you know, even though it wasn't podium, but got uh, in the points and finished fourth. And um, I think for him, maybe, I don't know if he's going to come back or not uh, to AlphaTauri next year, but Potentially, I think that may be a positive result for him if uh, he returns to that seat next year. And I think, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, I mean, he, he is kind of a, a usual suspect, but I think for him, you know, he continues to get good good finishes, and and this is uh, another podium for him this year, third place, and, and he's continuing to score in the points, even though he's going to be moving on to McLaren next year. It shows that even though he's uh, not going uh, or he's not going to return to that seat next year, um, he's still putting all his effort into it and, and they're um, putting all their effort behind him. And I think that's a, a good result for that team and, and for him, you know, that's, that's what, what you like to see is continuing to fight all the way into the way out, even though um, it's over for them and there's no future and, and you know, there's no uh, way that they could win the title or anything like that. You know, that's the, the kind of, grit i guess you could say that you like to see from teams and, and from the drivers so i think those guys that i think stood out um overall for me um in in that race i mean there wasn't really a, a whole lot to take away i mean i guess you could say uh, max for stopping uh having to retire from the race uh with with uh tire issues um i think that's maybe surprising um 
you know, you expect him to finish in the points or get a podium at least, you know, as he's a usual suspect in, in Formula One. But um, that does show that there is a lot of inconsistency with Red Bull. And uh, for as many uh, wins that they can produce or, or podium finishes or points finishes, they also have a lot of issues with finishing races, I think. And that that's probably going to be a thing that holds them back from uh, getting another title um, as long as Mercedes is around, as long as... Uh, as long as um, they continue to dominate and uh, um, just trail trailblaze the field, I guess in Formula One, and and um, you know they've got to improve in that area and getting uh, more consistent finishes with their mechanical failures and resolving all those issues and um, you know correcting driver errors and all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It was uh, basically a throwaway race. You know, we talk about how. Um, Portimao was and how interesting that race was relative to what we saw this weekend at Imola. We kind of understand why Imola fell off the calendar. It was one passing zone and for as effective or really too effective the um, DRS was at Portimao. It's, it wasn't effective really at Imola when you consider how long of a straight they had to get there Um, outside of that you needed to have a full safety car for everything to kind of come through Um, Lewis benefited from a VSC for Ocon's uh, retirement which basically gave him the gap where he would have won the race straight away no problem Um, Verstappen blows a tire which um, in the old days of Imola could have been a huge wreck. Um, well, it didn't happen going through the parabolica uh, chicane, so that was good. Um, it happened coming up to the Villeneuve chicane, which uh, in turn is just a big sand trap over there, so he was okay, but he was definitely in the line of fire, and they had to go and recover the car. Um, they would have had to throw a full safety car even in regular time. Uh, so unfortunate for Magnuson, or not Magnuson, Verstappen. Um, he was definitely going to finish second in the race. Um, a lot of uh, self-inflicted or outside influence has uh, affected Max this year. Um, he is a tool, but he is a good driver. And uh, the team is only able to make one good car. And that's proven based on um, Alexander Albon and his likely um, uh, being sent out of Formula One, uh, even though he's a good guy and well-liked. And I think he's a good driver. Uh, wasn't given a – he didn't have a full season at Toro Rosso, uh, which is now Fatori. He – got promoted over Gasly. What it looks like is Gasly was definitely the better driver. Uh, Red Bull made that mistake, and now they're in a position where they're going to end up having to replace him with somebody from outside their deal. Uh, They should hire Sergio Perez. I don't think they will. I think they'll hire Nico Hulkenberg, which is still good, but he's definitely going to be willing to go and sit there and lay down like, Rubens Barrichello or Felipe Massa or 
in a lesser extent, I would think Valtteri Botas. Um, he's kind of going to be a lap dog, you know, kind of like David Coulthard at McLaren. Uh, that's that's where Nico's going to do it, so he can get a podium. But we will see uh, what goes on with that. I think the next race we'll talk about it next week on the GSP. The Turkish Grand Prix returns to uh, returning over there. Some of the cool corners there. The quadruple apex left-hander turn eight uh, will be interesting to see with these new current cars and the third sector, which is where a lot of the passing has happened. A lot of carnage has happened too. Um, we will see what happens there. Um, with that, we will transition into NASCAR. Um, there was a lot that went on this weekend um, during the uh, NASCAR races, but we will start with uh, William Clyde Elliott II winning the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville Sunday evening. And uh, his uh, good friend Ryan Blaney, YRB, finished second. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski make it a Penske 234. Logano, of course, was locked in to Phoenix with his win at Kansas. Brad Keselowski started on pole due to the algorithm, uh, finishes fourth after getting a speeding penalty, which, quite frankly, I would venture to say was bogus, same way as they didn't penalize Jace Elliott on one of his late pit stops, but let him get away with it because he's Jace Elliott. Um, Brad Keselowski finished fourth, Kurt Busch fifth in a, what was a must-win scenario for him, Alex Bowman sixth in a cool planners, Peanuts, Chevy, Eric Almarola and Clint Boyer ran over each other, um, seventh and eighth, Kyle Busch ninth, Matt DiBrito tenth. Uh, the controversy started there with, there was controversy in multiple plays, but one of them was with Denny Hamlin and Eric Jones. Uh, who finished 11th and 12th. Uh, Matt Kenseth, who got into Kevin Harvick and uh, cut a tire, which basically uh, put him in the position where Kevin Harvick missed the final four. Guy who's won nine races in the first 35 is not going to win this points championship. Um, I guess we throw two ways. Uh, what did you um, uh, get from Clyde going and getting a win in a in a clutch situation, which isn't something that he's known for, but and 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 also winning on a short track, which yeah he did win at Bristol in the All Star race, uh, so I, that's something that you know you can't really throw away. He did win in the All Star race at Bristol uh, in August. But for him to come through at Martinsville a couple of years ago, he got sent by him, by that horse tooth jackass, Denny Hamlin. Uh, in this case, he was able to make it work. And then your thoughts on Harvick, I guess it's Clyde, Harvick, and then the, the Joe Gibbs Toyota thing that went on there. Uh, kind of go and let us know what's going on with all those. Yeah, with Chase Elliott winning the race, I mean, he, he did what he had to do. 
you know, he couldn't make it on points, I think. And well, he could have, but it was going to take a lot to do that. And and he went out and won the race. And so that that's how you do it. If you got to make the final four, you got to win the race. If you're on the outside looking in, and he did exactly what he needed to do. But of course, the way it happened is maybe questionable with the penalty and uh, getting that rescinded from NASCAR. I guess you could say they they challenged uh, that penalty and and then NASCAR reviewed it and and took it away and and there's debate on if that shouldn't have been a penalty or whether it should have been a penalty and I guess in that situation it's tough to say it's a I don't know if it's a judgment call or not but it's certainly something that is very very uh, tough uh, decision that you have to make in in uh, in that situation and Kevin Hart or sorry with Chase Elliott like it's questionable because yeah he's chase Elliott is the most popular driver in the sport and drives for hendrick and and if that's a favor from nascar to hendrick or anything like that and and just a lot of uh layers to this that um just make it make it tough to really digest if he should be in the final four or not and for me i mean i can't say i disagree with uh taking away the penalty because i guess he was able to jump back into the thing but we've also seen where nascar they they penalized the guy and then they didn't do anything else about that i mean of course i don't know if there's other situations where the pit crew member was able to reset himself but i guess that's a situation where the pit crew and his crew chief they they knew the rules and i guess they maybe in that situation maybe they knew it better than nascar and they knew that as long as hey he was able to reset himself and maybe just have a slow pit stop and not get a penalty for over the wall too soon then then that recovered their race and all they had to do is just protest nascar until they took uh, the penalty away but uh it's a a weird way to come back and get a win like that um just just uh the the way it happened and and all that is just i'm not sure i i like how it happened but i guess that's how it is but kevin harvick you know, he won nine races this year and had one of the best seasons of all time in the Cup Series and in the modern era, at least. And certainly, at least until the playoffs started on pace with what Jeff Gordon did in the late 90s, uh, the type of performances he put up this season compared to what Jeff did, it was very, very similar. And then he goes out and, and doesn't win at Kansas. He comes up short because of the clean air there and not being able to make a pass uh, against Joey Logano. And then Texas, they hit the wall. They kind of recover, but they miss out on the stage points because they spend the rest of the race trying to get their way back up to the top 10. And then this race comes, and they had issues throughout the race. And Martinsville's been kind of a struggle for Kevin Harvick throughout the years, and especially since he's gone over to Stuart Haas. He just hasn't quite had the the type of finishes that uh, you want out of that team or that, that they normally produce. And, and they had some early race struggles, and I think they kind of recovered from that. And then he got into it with Matt Kenseth and then got a flat tire, fell back uh, a lap down. He was able to get back onto the lead lap, but then just didn't have enough car to make uh, the moves that he needed to make. And then it comes down to the end. He has to basically crash Kyle Busch and get into to the playoffs. And, you know, he just didn't have uh, enough position on him to really hit him square. So Kyle Busch spins out, but he doesn't spin out because when he did that in that race, he was able to hit him. But then I guess the angle kind of knocked his car off uh, off of the position it was in. And then um, 
he lost momentum and and spun himself out in the process and and it was a very desperate move is about as uh i don't know i don't want to say bush league but it's about as dirty of a movie you can make that i guess could be acceptable in a way because it was obviously going for a championship and that was basically like the the one thing that he could do to pass him off that corner in turn four uh so i don't I don't really know if I like him not being in the chase or in playoffs anymore. Just I don't agree with it, and it just shows how flawed this system is. And and I you know I heard Denny Hamlin talk about like like yeah he he's not in this round, but you can't ignore the first eight innings because NASCAR always wants to produce these game seven moments, and you can't forget what they did the leading up to it. That's the problem with this uh, this format. The the way that they keep resetting drivers in the round, yeah, they keep the the playoff points, but then uh, as they progress, like it just erases all the progress that they have made, and and it's not a level playing field. I mean, maybe if it was uh, the top eight remaining, and it was just them racing for the Xfinity 500, then maybe it would be fair, but that's not how it is, and and there's too many factors to influence, and you know we talked about Lewis Hamilton potentially winning his seventh title earlier in the show but i think if you were watching this race he'd probably think it's crazy and probably as an eye that the best driver in the series is no longer eligible for the title and that's that's really how i feel about it's just you know that's stupid that he doesn't have the chance to win the title and and i think with the drivers being i guess having mixed feelings and not really like giving favorable comments to how it played out for Harvick. I think maybe the drivers, maybe they'll begin a revolt. Well, I don't know if they'll begin a revolt, but they'll definitely, they'll definitely um, have some issues with it internally and amongst themselves. And maybe, maybe this is uh, the beginning of an, another rule change to this format. They'll keep having to change it because uh, things like this happen, and and it's just NASCAR trying trying to create drama where it shouldn't be created. And then it also leads into things like. Uh, what Eric Jones and Denny Hamlin uh, were involved with, with Denny Hamlin is fading back on the last run. And then Eric Jones just, it seemed like he was going to pass him, but then he didn't. And I guess there was some rumors that uh, Eric Jones didn't uh, pass him because he was told not to. And, and there's issue with that because we've seen that in the past with, with uh, 2013 with the hundred percent rule. And if, if Eric Jones was really going at a hundred percent of his car or whatever at, at the pace that he was going and there's issues with that. And it just, it just shows that there's a lot of uh, manipulation in politics in this. And, and um, I doubt if they win or they get a penalty from this, but uh, if Hamlin wins the championship, you're going to go back to this point and say, well, this is, a little bit tainted because uh, the fact that his own teammate um, had to follow team orders and didn't race him for for that position and that's why he was able to make it to the point where he could win the championship if he ends up doing that and and uh, I think he might end up winning the championship it'd be a good storyline for him and as they transition to the 2311 racing for next year and and give positive press for all of that but um, it's just a, a lot of stuff not to like about about um, how the race uh, ended and how that affected the the championship and and I guess like how how it makes NASCAR look as a sport overall. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, you can hear me now. All right. 
So in terms of the uh, a lot of good points there, man, uh, it's it's kind of a to me, it just bothers me that a guy can run well for 30 plus weeks of a season and then because he because of NASCAR and the way they managed Texas uh, last week with the stupidity of the rain and how crappy that racetrack is um, with the PJ1 and uh, it's the same thing that wiped Takuma Sato out in qualifying in the first race of the IndyCar season he tried to run the the grip strip and uh, wiped his car out and he didn't race. And then you consider he won the Indy 500, which is a double points race. If he had done anything at Texas, he would have finished probably top five in points. Uh, It's the same kind of thing where you're running in the rain and it affected both uh, Harvick and Hamlin. Harvick uh, picked a bad time to not have a good three-race stretch and he gets eliminated. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that and talk in circles tomorrow. Um, on election day, no less, uh, because um, Clayton wants to watch the Giants lose. Um, and uh, that's his prerogative, and God bless him. He's been a guest on the show, and, uh, you know, considering my Niners don't have a quarterback or the tight end or about 18,000 other people because they get injured more than any other team in the NFL, uh, this season is basically going off the rails. Well, the Giants are actually winning 14 to three right now. Uh, second quarter, uh, 42 seconds left. Joe Fudge is getting to his boy. Is Joe Fudge is getting to his boy Tom Brady? The TB12 method ain't working so well. That Nambla shit that he's into. That's hey, whatever. If the, I don't think that goes with the narrative. If they're gonna tank the tanking for two, tanking for Trevor and working, but uh. Hey, we'll see. Whatever. I'm losing this week in fantasy in both of my teams, so I really don't give a fuck. And the Niners are fucked, too. So my football season is not looking so great anymore. But in terms of NASCAR and in terms of the Cup Series, you think about best seasons ever. Kevin Harvick was at a level at times this year. It was like Jeff Gordon, 98 level great you know 97 98 you know greatness and for him to not be able to finish the job um not be able to close this deal is a shame i do believe he's going to go out there on sunday and i think he's going to win the race um we'll do picks you can i'm going to make the pick right now i think kevin Harvick's going to win and they're they're going to throw a bunch of yellows to try to make sure he doesn't win and he's still going to win. Um, they allowed James Davison to basically park on the racetrack and it took him an hour to throw, throw that yellow, um, which would have put Kevin Harvick, which put Kevin Harvick back on the lead lap. I don't know what they were holding on for, for that. They had the longest run of the day and it took Timmy Hill having a left rear tire go down and they threw a caution and that they just threw like nobody's business. Um, I mean, I, it's whatever typical NASCAR. It's how you're, you're not competing against stick and ball sports. You're not going to beat the NFL. You're not going to beat MLB when they're going in their playoffs. You're not going to beat 
the NBA, even in the regular season, or the NHL, for that matter. Um, this notion that you have to have this elimination format and all these things is farcical uh, to me. Um, they'll say, well, Tony Stewart said that he didn't belong in the playoffs, but yeah, he won five out of 10 races. He told his crew chief he was firing him. His crew chief decided to show up and be a good crew chief. And Tony who's one of the greatest drivers ever lived, pulled it out of his ass. He had to hold off fucking Denny Hamlin to stay on the lead lap. Um, in the Martinsville race, he did came all the way back past Jimmy Johnson on the outside on the final restart to win that race. Um, I mean, it's that it's getting benefiting from Clint Boyer running out of fuel at New Hampshire. He goes and makes fuel work at Chicago for the first win. He goes and wins that race at Martinsville, which basically turned the tide. He had bad runs in that 10 race playoff. So the notion that you can have it run the way that a regular season would run to me is how it should be. You're not competing against these other sports. Let it run out naturally or somewhat naturally run 24 races set down to 12 drivers, top 10, whatever it is in terms of whoever's in the top 10 in points, you make it in two best drivers that have wins or points, whatever, how it may be. You make it 12 drivers, 12 races. You want to do an elimination format? God bless you. You want to do resets because of points and give it playoff points? Sure. Go and give points for leading one lap in the most laps. Give one point for leading a lap and give two points for leading most laps or whatever. Come up with something like that. Quite frankly, if they would ever go and do qualifying, which you're going to do some races, go and give give points to the top five in qualifying. Get Let's get real crazy. Because this point system's whatever. You go and add playoff points and do all this stuff. Let's go and get crazy with it. Because we shouldn't be marketing to the LCD. Go and make this so if you actually promote, you actually perform, you show up, you do what you have to do, you make it. Go, and if you win... You get your points and whatever, and those carry through. But there should be more value towards winning. Go and make winning without without a stage stage wins 60 points. So if you go and win the race, you're going to score 35 or 40 points more than the second place car. Then all of a sudden, you might actually go and change and see what's going on here. There would be more per, races at effing at effing at places like Kansas or whatever would end up having some, some relevance, you know, maybe Kevin Harvick dumps Joey Logano, which would have been the difference at the end of the day. If he goes and wins at, at Kansas, we're not having this discussion. So, I mean, that's really where we're, where we're at in, at this point. And it's unfortunate that Kevin Harvick, Missed the final four, but he didn't perform in this round. And the way things are, that's why we are where we're at. Um, you know, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have Clyde coming off a win. You have Joy Logano coming off a win in this round. You're gonna have Denny Hamlin holding on for dear life because Eric Jones was told to hold station. 
And then Brad Keselowski, who, frankly, if they didn't make that call on him, which was questionable at best, uh, he might have won the race anyway. And then we might have a whole totally different discussion about who's in this final four. Maybe Clyde doesn't make it, and then people are all buttered about that. Um, and we'll see, and we'll talk about that in terms of the uh, Phoenix preview here shortly. Um, we will transition into the Xfinity series race at uh, Martinsville, which saw the draft top 250, which um, which saw Harrison Burton get a second consecutive win. Um, he beats Justin Allgaier, but Justin Allgaier ends up making the final four, and he got announced today um, to uh, return to uh, JRM, which isn't shocking because of Brandt and uh, Unilever of basically supported Allgaier for I don't know how many years. Uh, Noah Gregson, Jab Burton, so uh, JRM 234, Ross Chastain, uh, trying to go and make the uh, final four. He finished fifth. Riley Herp sixth. Chase Briscoe, seventh. Michael Annette, Brockshot Jones, Austin Zindrick, who qualified, who was given the poll, finished tenth there. Um, I guess uh, Harrison Burton, I'll tell you, Josh, he's shown up here his last couple of weeks. Uh, he took Noah Gregson's soul at Texas, which was great. Um, and here at Martinsville at a track that probably fits Justin Allgaier a lot better than Harrison Burton, even though he has a good short track background in the late models. Um, it's a it's a big win, and I think for him, and I think it gives him momentum to possibly, you know, he talked about a non-playoff driver winning at Phoenix on Sunday. I honestly believe Harrison Burton is a favorite to win on Saturday uh, based on the way he's running here these last few weeks. Yeah, Harrison Burton, I mean, if if he didn't have some bad runs earlier in this Xfinity Series playoffs for 2020, I think Harrison Burton would definitely have been a contender for the championship. And I think just had some bad luck, unfortunately, because the last couple of races he's turned it on and you know, like you talk about he stole those Gregson soul last week at Texas and then this week he uh does what he needs to do and goes out and wins and becomes the youngest winner at Martinsville in, in the Xfinity series and and broke his own dad's record so that was definitely in his blood to win at Martinsville like that and he's got the short track experience and and he's got a solid team behind him so I think you're right I think next year he should be a championship contender you know, just had some unfortunate luck this year in uh, the playoffs, and I think he can turn around next year and maybe go on a tear. Uh, now that Chase Briscoe is moving up to the Cup Series, I think that'll open up the door for uh, a new driver to take over the throne in the Xfinity Series, and I think Harrison Burton's probably a top candidate to uh, be on that throne for next year. So we'll see what happens next year for him, but uh, Justin Algar, I mean, he didn't even lead a lap in this race, but he ended up finishing second, and and he didn't have to win. He just went uh, to Martinsville, took care of business, and didn't get any trouble, and came home second. And uh, he'll be in contention next weekend at or this weekend at Phoenix. And and uh, he, he has a good shot at Phoenix. Has got a good record there. So expect him to do well there. And then Noah Gregson uh, didn't 
I mean, he led 23 laps, but ultimately just didn't have the, the car that he needed there at the end. He had had a couple of chances there at the end with some of the restarts, but just got too strung out for him and, and lost touch with Algaier and Harrison Burton there at the end and, and, and um, ends up finishing third and had a solid season overall, I think, for him, but uh, just didn't uh, come up with enough uh, enough results overall throughout this playoffs to to be in the position to make it to the final four and he didn't win uh, last weekend or this weekend so uh, he'll have some disappointment for this season you know next year he'll be returning to the nine card maybe he can turn it around and and uh, take a step further and make it to the championship four. Uh, but I guess for the rest of the chasers or playoff, I always get that confused. Is known for the chase, and now it's the playoffs, the whatever. But uh, Chase Briscoe, I was a little surprised that you know he didn't lead any laps or really show any pace uh, overall. I mean, he had a solid finish and and uh, finished seventh, but you know he just it was pretty quiet overall. It was a very quiet run for him, and I think it, it's nothing to worry about. But I mean, given the way he's ran this season, I mean, he didn't have to win or really lead anything, but uh, we still would have expected him to at least uh, show show his face up at the front of the field for at least a, a bit of the race on Saturday. But it is uh, for for him, but he'll he'll go out and do what he has to do next or this weekend at, at Phoenix. And um, Cedric had a decent run uh, and uh, there was a question if he wasn't going to make it but he ends up finishing top 10 and and led 42 laps and helped him uh, get in uh, to the, the final four and uh, he'll continue to uh, challenge for that next weekend and I think even for non-playoff driver you talk about Harrison Burton winning the race well it looked like it was going to be Almendinger for a bit there too and Almendinger was a uh, uh, certainly a, a contender for this race and then uh, he had to make a, a late pit stop there I think he had like a flat tire and and didn't um, have the luck that he needed because it, it definitely seemed like he was going to win the race for a while there too and and uh, certainly uh, has a, a lot of experience at Martinsville from the Cup Series and and uh, definitely had a solid run but uh, would have been would have been cool to see him win at Martinsville um, in in this in this race in the series, but uh, just didn't have the, the good fortune to to go out there and win. But uh, it was a definitely interesting race for Martinsville for the Xfinity returning there for the first time since 2006. Um, uh, good good run for Harrison Burton there, um, but for the rest of the guys, I mean, it wasn't really like a chaotic playoff ending like in the Cup Series, but. Certainly, the the guys who who had to take care of business were were able to do that. And the the guys who didn't make it in um, ultimately um, didn't make any any ground on that, and they stayed in their position as they were. Yeah, AJ Allmendinger definitely did have a chance. He's somebody who brings a couple of runner-up finishes from the Cup Series into that race, and he had a car to win, and he would have definitely taken away the points which at the end of the day, Harrison Burton did too, to taking away the opportunity for somebody to lock in that is in the playoffs. So, um, I mean, A.J. Allmendinger, I think he's going to be in the 10 car next year. I guess he's trying to balance between uh, Brett Griffin and whatever their sponsorship deal they got going on to go and get on one of those college cars versus going and doing the TV thing. 
I mean, I think AJ Allmendinger is a racer. I think he's going to want to go and run uh, for a title. It would be the first time in NASCAR. They run for a title, really. It'll be the first time since basically 2006 that he'd be running for a title if he went and jumped in 10 car. Um, I think that's likely to be the case. And it seems like Colleague's going to try to run three cars next year in the Xfinity Series for a lot of the races. So we will see on that. Um, Gibbs, of course, is going to, it seems like they're going to retract, um, run two full time cars. I figure this late run by Harrison's going to solidify himself in that second full time car, the number 20, along with Brockshot Jones. Um, in there so in terms of the xfinity final four it'll be briscoe and Cindric who have been uh arguably the two best cars or not really arguably, they've been the two best cars this season and then you have all and haley uh, who will also make the final four to battle for it at uh phoenix on saturday night or saturday evening Easter time to see what happened there. Um, Gregson, Chastain, uh, Brockshot Jones, Harrison Burton, Ryan Sieg, Michael Annette, Brandon Brown, Riley Herbst are the top 12 in Xfinity points. We will transition into the Truck Series event, which saw um, which saw Grant Enfinger win to get in. Um, you got, um, what do you call, um, the, the, it's a NASCAR hall of fame, 200, uh, Sheldon Creed, Grant Enfinger, Brett Moffitt, Zane Smith, so three GMS trucks make it into the final four. Um, Matt Crafton falls three points short of having a chance to defend his championship and join Ron Hornaday as a four-time series champion. He will stay tied with Jack Sprague as a three-time series champion. Uh, Austin Hill, uh, those reliable Ilmore engines came through for him after winning the regular season championship. Uh, and your problems eliminate him, amongst other things. Uh, ben Rhodes, who had everything but the lottery at Texas but didn't really get run into at Martinsville for some reason, uh, falls short along with Tyler Ankrum. Uh, one thing before we get into that recap a little bit, Rudy Fugel, who's been at uh, Cobbush Motorsports for many years, has um, gotten the call up to go to Cup Series and not to go to a Gibbs uh, vehicle, but he's going to Hendrick Motorsports to be William Byron's crew chief. Uh, they work together at uh, KBM, won, I think, six races or something like that. The one year they were together in the truck series. Uh, he'll be the crew chief of the 24 car, uh, starting with the Daytona 500. Um Grant Infinger, former Arctic Series champion, somebody who's just a grinder, who's been at it a long time. He is the only non-GMS uh, truck in this playoff. So uh, thoughts on Grant Infinger being able to come through and close 
with Jeff Hensley at home for Jeff Hensley. Uh, a big race for him and his whole family at Martinsville. And then um, GMS showing why the um, team of the truck series. Yeah, Grandin Frigger, he was on the outside looking in, and then he goes out and wins this race and and uh, shows shows uh, that he's going to be a contender. And, and you look at how he's performed over the last, uh, or really over the whole season, he's only scored uh, the eighth most points if you uh, take away the playoff format, and, and he also has four wins. So this is another win for him this year, and uh, he's... He's kind of a boomer bust driver, I guess, overall. But considering how this format rewards uh, wins and and only needing to win when you really need to, uh, he's just had to win the race at the critical critical time. And and certainly um, he's been a championship driver before. And I think he can go out and win at Phoenix uh, if, if they give him the uh, right car. And uh, so, so this, this was a, the a result that he needed and, and he went out there and he got it done. But uh, I think the thing that we were looking into this, this weekend is what would happen with Ben Rhodes and Christian Eckes and, and uh, Christian Eckes didn't really do anything with uh, Ben Rhodes there. Ben Rhodes just, uh, bumped him out of the way a couple of times, and then Christian Eck has bumped him out of the way, but no no wrecking or anything like that, no shenanigans like what happened at Texas, and kind of would have expected Christian Eck is to, to go out there and dump Ben Rhodes, but he didn't do it. He just kind of gave him a little love tap and, and then some, but I was, you know, n- nothing more than that. And I think Zane Smith said he was the biggest pussy in the garage if he didn't crash him, and I think got to be, uh, got to agree with that take. And, and then, um, uh, Zane Smith and and his teammate Sheldon Creed they'll be in the the final four as well and and they they led laps throughout the the race and and ultimately neither of them really had to win uh, to make it in the playoffs but uh, they continue to show why they've been the uh, class of the field in the truck series and the GMS program they they've got support from Chevy and probably from Hendrick too and and they've been able to go out and and uh, compete in races lead laps and 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 win when they need to and i think they're certainly contenders for this weekend at phoenix and i think you could pencil in either one of them if things go right uh to win the championship and then this weekend uh austin hill like i would have thought he would have made it in uh to the final four but then he didn't and uh it's disappointing i mean the engines uh them at the wrong time and and this this was certainly a race where I thought he could have done well and gotten like a top 10 finish. And he's been a really good driver throughout the entire season. And he's had a lot of success and led the regular season points and, and was able to um, achieve that uh, title, which I guess is a title in its own self, but not really, but uh, he's certainly been one of the best drivers in the truck series this season and kind of a similar situation to Kevin Harvick, but n- not quite as much because he just hasn't been as dominant, but he's just scored enough points to be considered a, a top driver this year in the cup series or in the truck series and, and disappointing for him, but uh, it is what it is. And, and maybe, maybe they'll uh, try to give him better engines next year. And uh, certainly with uh, the Ilmore crate engines, um, you know, you can only do so much, but maybe yeah. they can figure out something uh, so that that doesn't happen again if they're in that position. Um, but 
when we talk about uh, Matt Crafton and he came up short there at the end. And, you know, I, I kind of have to wonder, like, maybe if he could have had a little bit more in his car for that finish. Uh, certainly, m- maybe the the shenanigans with, with uh, Christian Eckes and Ben Rhodes at the end, like, they touched bumpers a couple times and all of that. Maybe uh, that affected traffic behind them as uh, they were trying to avoid all that stuff. And, I mean, it didn't come out too much, but it certainly probably slowed up the rest of the guys. Maybe that affected uh, Matt Crafton's uh, ability to maintain pace with the leaders and 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 slowed him up enough uh to not make it in because he, he could have could have finished a couple positions higher and maybe tied uh his way into the uh, the final four and defend his title from last year but uh for him this uh a little bit disappointing end to his season but um he was able to win for the first time in forever this season so it wasn't all too bad so they'll go into next year and and uh continue to be the veteran driver in the series and he can pencil him in to uh, make the playoffs next year probably. And, and we'll see how he performs there um, in, in that spot next year. But uh, the rest of the field or the rest of the playoff drivers that are left uh, going into Phoenix, let me expect a pretty competitive race and we'll see, we'll see who uh, ends up winning. I mean, it could be any of these drivers really. Yeah. The truck series race is going to be one to, I mean, Usually, Truck Series is the most interesting out of three. I think the Xfinity is taken over on that um, based on the rules package they have. Uh, but, you know, the GMS situation, Zane Smith, Sheldon Creed know they have a job. Grant Infinger doesn't know that he has a job for sure next year. Brett Moffitt, it seems like he's going to end up leaving uh, GMS. Uh, GMS hired a new driver for their uh, ARCA program that's not just daddy's money kind of guy. So uh doesn't seem like he's all that good. I mean, he's not like, you know, the kind of guy that's in the way like Quinn Hoff or, uh, or Joey Gase or Garrett Smithley, but he's not great. But he brings a paycheck. So we'll see on that. Um I do think that Sheldon Creed is the favorite out of this four if he can stay within himself. Uh, I think he's the best driver out of these four drivers. He's got the most talent. He's the most raw talent. He basically is like Robbie Gordon 2.0. And Robbie Gordon, whether you like him or hate him, was legitimately one of the best talents that existed and still does in his current guys. And if you want to question that, the fact is his son Max is driving off-road, driving these long-distance off-road races, and he's winning at a very young age. So the notion that you want to question Robbie Gordon's talent, he procreates and makes talent, let alone his own talent when he had a mullet um, back in the 90s and even after that. Um, I think Sheldon Creed's definitely the favorite uh, going into this uh, final four because he's won at all different types of racetracks. I think Grant Enfinger, it's been more uh, luck and uh, circumstance at times for him. Zane Smith has had good runs. Brett Moffat only has one win. He's very consistent, but in this spot, you need to win. Um, and if for as good as he has been in his career, do I really believe he's going to go out there and win at Phoenix? I don't believe it as much as any of the other three. Um, but we will see on that. 
Um, in terms of the GSP roundup going into um, this weekend, I mean, Super GT ran last weekend. We're going to have MotoGP uh, at Valencia for first of two races there, all three series. Um, you'll also have DTM at the Hockenheim ring. And uh, you got Super GT at Twin Ring Moktegi. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm not really going to go because there really no whole lot to go into in terms of MotoGP. I will go. Uh, I'll say that the points battle is interesting. Um, Moto2, yeah, you got Cameron Bobier moving over there uh, full time next year, and now that he's he's um, done with uh, his world or with his American Superbike career. Um, they've talked about it here in um, uh, talking about MotoGP. They talked about it today in terms of Cameron Bobby. I figure he will uh, be, uh, if he isn't racing this weekend, I'm, I'm curious if he will. I figure between now and the end of this year, because it's coming, they're going to race three weeks in a row. They'll be racing at uh, Valencia the next two weeks. And then they'll finish at uh, Portimao for the Portuguese Grand Prix. Um, but Cameron Bobier is somebody, along with Joe Roberts, that will be out there next year uh, in the Moto2 World Champion. Uh, that'll be a big deal um, in terms of the uh, standings for the MotoGP World Championship. Joanne Mir has a 14-point lead over Fabio Quattararo. Um, Joanne Mir has not won a race this year, but he has, um, what is it, six podium finishes, um, three seconds, and three thirds. But he hasn't won yet, but who knows? Maybe he goes and wins between now and the end of the year. 14-point lead on Quattararo. And he has a 19-point lead on Maverick Vinales, who has won once this year, finished second uh, twice, and then otherwise has been wildly inconsistent. Franco Morbidelli, who won the last race at uh, Aragon um, for his second win of the year, is fourth in points, and Andrea Davizioso is fifth. He is 26 points behind in uh, fifth. And he doesn't have a job for next year. So we will see what's going on with that, with MotoGP. Um, and, uh, you know, in terms of the DTM, you talk about Premier Center because Andalite Fight, of course he would, because... They don't want to go and pay for anything because they suck at life. That was, even though the Adelaide 500 has been the Eclipse All 500 has been a part of of the Supercars Championship for years, it's reckless. It's spend, bad spending. It's like well, we're talking about government. You don't know what the hell spending is. Uh, in terms of um, the standings for DTM, it's a 19-point lead for Rene Rast over Nico Muller. It's been those two guys all year, along with Robin Freins. Um, 
and uh, they're going into the race this weekend at Hockenheim, which is the last race of the uh, 2020 DTM series, the last race of, I guess, the Class 1 DTM cars as well. Um, We'll see how many of those cars get sent to Japan um, for the Super GT Championship now that they're not going to be racing DTM anymore. Um, We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Audi is dominated, so, you know, kind of sounds like what everything they've been doing when they were doing in sports cars. Um, And uh, we'll we'll find out what what happens there. You have TCR Europe, you have Ferrari Challenge at Misano, you have TCR Europe at Harama, which isn't a great circuit. You have um, Silverstone, British F3, British GT, uh, Super GT. And there you go. It all worked out there. Super GT, Japanese uh, GT Championship. Uh, they're running at Motegi again uh, this weekend. And then their last race will be during what is in America Thanksgiving weekend at Fuji for the fourth time this year. They basically run at Fuji and Motegi. Uh, they ran Fuji four times, Motegi twice, Suzuka twice to make a calendar in terms of the um, teams. They don't even show the points. Like, how the hell are you going have that and you don't even show the points? Really? That's something. Uh, probably somebody in a fucking Toyota that's leading because that's just how they do things or at Honda. That's gonna. That's what we're going to do. That's your, that's your analysis of uh, Super GT because I just don't want to go through all that effort to go and find out and uh, they'll probably put it on Motor Trend or some sort of streaming service and you'll be able to find out about it anyway. Uh, going into this weekend's races and uh, it's basically the NASCAR triple header at Phoenix and um I'll say uh, to Josh, uh, who do you pick to win the championship? And do you think they're going to win the race? If not, who do you pick to win the race? Uh, Starting with the truck series event at uh, Phoenix on Friday night. Well, I think for this, for this race on Friday night for the truck series, I think Grant Infinger could win the championship. Um, I know you picked, you basically have picked Sheldon Creed already, and uh, I'm going to go with Grant Infinger. I, I think he fares a little bit better on the short tracks. Infinger has been better at the uh, uh, road courses this year, and he's been pretty good at um, the mile and a half and, and intermediate tracks. And I mean, he's been good at short tracks too, but I just feel like uh, Grant Infinger is more of a short track guy. And I think Phoenix is kind of a, a sort of a short track, I guess, with the current configuration of it. And I think uh anything can probably get it done at phoenix but i wouldn't be surprised if uh sheldon creed i mean he is the favorite I, i'm just gonna go with granny finger there but i think Infinger can win the race too i'm gonna go with that um it's been the xfinity and the truck series they haven't had the uh race winner win the championship deal like the cup re- uh cup series has had in, in its history in this format but i think i, I think granny finger can go out there and win the race uh 
uh, as well as the championship on a Friday night. Yeah, I, I figure Sheldon Creed. I, I mean, in the end, the way that NASCAR manipulates things, they want to have the final four up there. So uh, I I do agree that that Grant Finger is a grinder. He's the kind of guy that would be in a spot. Jeff Hensley's a great crew chief, one of the best, uh, one of the most underrated crew chiefs there's been. Um, it would be something to pay off a career. You know, his family ran the old Nescafe 63 car where they won the Bush Series championship with Chuck Bown, ran a bunch of other drivers over the years in that, um, that car and in the old Bush Series and It'd be something to see Jeff Hensley go and pay one off and get a truck series championship with Grant Enfinger, uh, beating the GMS uh, Armada uh, at Phoenix. But I do believe Sheldon Creed goes and gets it done. XA series um, will be on Saturday. The um, bring it up there, the Desert Diamond Casino. West Valley 200, 37 cars for 40 spots. So no problem for all the cellar dwellers like Mike Harmon and the like, Rick Ware, all that. Um, Same question lies, Josh. uh, Do you think uh, Final Four driver wins it? If so, who? Otherwise, who outside of that goes and gets it done? Yeah, I think it's an easy question, and you're going to like the answer. It's Chase Briscoe. He's going to win the championship, and he's going to win the race. And uh, this is what his entire season has been leading up to, is him winning this title. And uh, he's the the clear favorite, and I think he's got it in the bag. I feel like he can can definitely uh, do uh, everything he needs to do at Phoenix, and he's just got to stay up front, lead laps, and just be there at the end and and just be a master at restarts because we all know it's likely going to come down to a green-white checker or something like that. Um, And he's definitely a long-run guy because there have been a couple times in this Xfinity playoff format where it did come down to a, a long run. Uh, but that that was at Homestead, so we'll see how how this one plays out. But I do feel like uh, Chase Briscoe can go out and win both the the race and the title. Uh, I think he'll get a lot of competition from Justin Algar. He's been very good at Phoenix also over the years, and certainly um, it could come down to one of those two. But I I feel strongly in uh, Chase Briscoe's ability to go out and win the race and the championship. It's it's his title to lose uh, uh, point blank. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's his walk-off shot here in the X-Finity series and, you know, full full send being a mark, a Chase Briscoe mark. Uh, it would be disappointing if he doesn't come through uh, winning this title, considering the other three drivers are all going to be back next year in the X-Finity series. Of course, Brickin' Sindrick knows that he's going to be in the 21 car in 2022 already. Uh, running limited races next year in the Cup Series, probably with an emphasis on the road courses. Um, I think, I, I mean, at the end of the day, the heart says Chase wins a championship. I don't believe he will win. I believe a Gibbs car is going to win uh, on Saturday, uh, likely either 
Harrison Burton or Brockshot Jones, which would mean that Harrison Burton would go and get three straight wins to end the season if he went and won out there. Uh, Brockshot Jones ended up beating Kyle Busch amongst starters. And uh, earlier race this year, pre-COVID break, um, I do believe that's what it's going to happen. And then similar to uh, the Truck Series event last year, uh, best place driver from that after that will go and uh, win the championship. And I think he holds off Justin Allgaier to go and win the Truck Series championship, or I mean the Xfinity Series championship, which um, would uh, end up having me go and lose my mind. But uh, we will see what happens with that. And um, I mean, all those four drivers have experience in some way, shape, or form of playoffs and, and this situation. And, uh, you know, you can't ever count out Justin Allgaier. Uh, Justin Haley has been in the final eight before in trucks. He's won titles. Uh, Austin Zindrick has that experience. And, of course, Jace Briscoe won the ARCA championship for Cunningham Motorsports. Final thing we will do before we go and promote uh, to close out the show is the uh, Cup Series event at uh, Phoenix. The um, the Cup Series event, yes, it's called, yes, they are the sponsor, the Cup Series event at Phoenix. Um, same rules apply. Who do you look to win? Do you think uh, uh, one of the Championship Four will win? There will definitely be an emphasis towards those Championship Four anyway. Um, if not one of the championship four, who do you look at? Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. I said it earlier uh, when we were talking about Martinsville, and I I think Hamlin goes out and wins this race in the, in the championship. Um, you talk about the NASCAR, you know, putting an emphasis on the final four. I mean, I I know that they do. I mean, I've heard on on the internet on some forums. Uh, I think one of the former employees or someone who was like a uh, associate of uh, Furniture Row had brought up that basically, yeah, NASCAR, um, you know, they don't get him like like give him like a blatant advantage over the field, but yeah, they're gonna overlook some some things and and you know let him let him have maybe like a slight advantage over the field, and that's why you're gonna see all the top four guys run top ten all night or all all race long. And uh, I think Danny Hamlin, he's been the other than Kevin Harvick, he's been the the driver to to beat this year, and he's come up in in uh, clutch moments uh, in big races before, but just not in the title. And I think he finally redeems himself from where he was a decade ago, where he, he had the title in the bag over Jamie Johnson in 2010, and they had the, the, the fuel issue uh, at Phoenix at that race, and then th- that led to him uh, not winning the title at uh, Homestead a decade ago. And I think finally he gets uh, redemption for himself here uh, for that, uh, from that, and uh, he goes out and wins the championship. Uh, I could definitely see maybe Joey Logano giving the challenge. He did win at Phoenix earlier in the year, uh, and, and he certainly had a good record at Phoenix in his career too. Um, Chase Elliott is a bit of a long shot uh, for this uh, and is more of a wild card. Um, I don't know if he could win at Phoenix. Um, you just don't see him uh, doing that at Phoenix, um, but it could happen for him. Uh, Brad Keselowski has been pretty solid at Phoenix too, but 
I I don't know if uh, he'll he'll have the. I mean, he could have the pace, and he's definitely uh, had the pace at this type of track, flat track, uh, short track this season. He bringing the car that he had at at Loudon uh, that he won at this year, and at Martinsville or at not Martinsville, but at um, at Richmond that he won at this year. So he could maybe be the second best uh, challenger to Hamlin, but I feel like this is uh, Danny Hamlin's title to lose and. Hamlin's been a boomer bus driver this season compared to Harvick, but I think he comes out with the win and the title uh, after this race. Yeah, I, I, I give you, I, I, I feel like it's Hamlin's, he has to come through in this spot. You know, you have Joey Logano, who um, has been on and off all year. You have Brad, who's been up there points wise for most of the year and had a chance to win at Phoenix earlier along with Blay, but uh, Logano paid it off to get two wins early in the season. Um, you know, Brad's made his his bones. He's made his his uh, victories on the 750 tracks, so this suits him. Um, Clyde, in terms of average finish based on active drivers over the last uh, 10 races at the uh, at Phoenix, he's tied with Brad Keselowski in terms of a average finish. So, I mean, it's not. I, I to me, I feel like um, that they want Denny to win. It fits a narrative, you know, connecting with Bubba, connecting with Michael Jordan, you know, trying to make Toyota not seem like as bad of a function, even though they are. Uh, that's what they want. I honestly believe Penske and Hendrick are going to have something to say about it. Clyde went out there, won that race. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes out there and and wins. I also wouldn't be shocked if Brad goes out there and wins. In the end, it isn't the best Final Four we could have, but for what we have, I think it's a very balanced and intriguing final four considering it's one of the shorter races of the year it's only 312 laps slash miles at phoenix so it's gonna be something where you may have no more than three pit stops to truly determine what you're gonna do you'll have the stage breaks and then you'll have one pit stop maybe you have an extra one after that uh to go and make things right whether you get it or not uh, before we go, Josh, uh, let us know where we can follow you and, uh, your exploits on the, uh, open wheels 500. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at JP Huffine. Uh, I'll be streaming the open wheels 500 stuff on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash, uh, you sailor too. Uh, you know, like with open fields 500, I mean, we're going to be focusing on the qualifying setup, uh, probably maybe do a little bit of race setup this week too. Cause uh, can't, can't just ignore that. Uh, yeah. you know, cause can't, you know, you can't just focus all on qualifying, you know, you have to be prepared for the race setup too. And, uh, we'll be practicing in the afternoons after I, you know, after I get off of work and, and, um, streaming all of that and then you know we'll hopefully we can get you on too uh, for the practice sessions leading up to qualifying and then uh we'll see where we get the qualifying draw and and uh, which uh session we qualify in hopefully hopefully it's one of the later sessions uh not not the one that starts at 6 a.m um although i mean i'm trying to get up early these days uh, but I'll, I'll be better in the afternoon for that but maybe it doesn't matter but um 
you know, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I, I, I'm confident we can make it in the race, um, uh, but I'll, you know, have fun either way. You know, that's that's the the beauty of it. It's just, it's it's all for fun. And you know, there's no money on the line this year. I mean, there there uh, was money in the line last year, but it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, and which I like. I feel like with with these races and sim racing, there's a lot of controversy with the the monetary amounts. Um, there's been issues with cheating, and I think it's related to the amount of money that's uh, being uh, awarded to some of these uh, sim races. And I think if you maybe lessen the amount of money, then it wouldn't be worth uh, while to go out and cheat like that. Um, but I think it's a problem. I mean, we'll talk about it in, in another podcast, but that's uh, one of the problems is uh, uh, che- cheating in, in sim racing now with uh, being related to uh, some of the, the prize amounts in these big races. But uh, Open Wheels 500, I'm excited for it and uh, going to be as prepared as I can leading up to qualifying and then hopefully we make it in and then focus on the race. And then uh, it'll be all about fuel strategy, I think, is what the name of the game will be, is uh, as many or as less of pit stops as possible. Probably four, four to five stops will win the race uh, last year. Only two cautions, and then had a caution at the very end. But if it didn't happen, it would have come down a few mileage. So, going to be prepared for that. Uh, we'll see if we have to do a Alex Rossi type of uh, victory there if we make it in. So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how all of that plays out. But definitely excited and and going to have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Got to go and have fun, and we'll see what happens with that. Hopefully, we can promote the GSP car. Uh, more as the week goes on and you go and get in the show. Um, I feel like and I'm confident that you will be able to. And then within that, it becomes a very uh, tough uh, circumstance to try to go and make the 500 miles at Indy, which in its own right is crazy. Uh, you can follow us. You can follow me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Our uh, Twitter handles at Grip Strip Pod, uh, capital G, capital S, capital P. Um, we're on on Twitter. We're also the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, we're on Podbean, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We're on other places, Stitcher, and um, you can find me also on Talking in Circles. I'll be on tomorrow night talking about the NASCAR races this weekend at Martinsville. And um, you can find me on Sportlight with George Housen for writing Formula One, um, working on some other things in terms of possibly writing some other motorsports stuff. And uh, yeah, you got a big time and crazy time in our world. And all I got to say about that is um, glad that you know, I'm here, we're here together. Uh, Josh and I were able to do this. Um, thanks to Josh for, you know, being a good friend and being a good, great co-host and uh, carrying me at times that I'm losing my crap while we're on air. So um, thank you for that. And thank you, Tanner Watkins, coming on tonight. And to all the people that listen and also have been on, thank you to all of you. And to those who do listen, you know, stay safe, take care of one another, wear a mask, social distance, be good, be, be, uh, take care. And, uh, we will see you next week on the GSP to go and, uh, 
go over what happened at Phoenix and uh, preview the Turkish Grand Prix. Uh, WEC will be running as well. So be some things to talk about. We might go into some other stuff as well here on the Grip Strip Podcast. Thank you and good night.